You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Part of Fake Teams Podcast Network, I am your humble host, the conductor of the Devin Funches hype train and worshiper of Nikhil Harry, Pete Rogers. I am joined by some of the guys. Uh, unfortunately, Clark Barnes uh, had to go be first in line to see Hobbs and Shaw. But we do have El Saboteur, <laughs> lover of the men in the trenches and WNBA hot take machine, the working girl, Jordan Smith, and the biggest 49ers fan you know, somehow managed to wait two weeks to see Game of Thrones without spoiling it. The man who only on this green earth hates Larry Fitzgerald, the ginger woodsman, Nick Bodiford, and a very special guest today, uh, a man who needs no introduction, yet I've completely fabricated one, would draft Deshaun Watson 101, thinks Nick is lame for leaving his <laughs> Fox fandom, fantasy football's father figure, the ringer, Danny's Kelly. Danny Kelly, how are you? Thanks for jumping on with us. I'm doing excellent, and thank you guys for having me. How are you guys doing? Oh. Splendid. Nick is a whole ball of nerves right now. Look at him. <laughs> you didn't need to say that. <laughs> I met him the other day when we he came to the Mina Kimes podcast thing in Seattle. It was awesome. That was a great show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, hey, Jordan. Danny, nice to meet you virtually. Yeah, you too. Jordan, I apologize for taking your joke. I know you put that on the Slack about Clark needing to be first in line to see Hobbs and Shaw, but you know, I figured that was it was a good joke. It needed to be heard. <laughs> that that was a very deep cut because those who listen to the podcast know Clark doesn't see new movies. Clark so. doesn't Clark doesn't see movies in general. I don't think Clark has seen <laughs> anything since uh, I don't know Citizen Kane. <laughs> that's that's about the uh, extreme of his his movie watching. Um, so peeling back the onion curtain, we've got uh, since Google Hangouts is now dead, we're now using Zoom. So if there's any technical difficulties, uh, you can blame them and our production team for failing us. <laughs> but we don't want to waste too much time with our usual preambles because we're on a tight schedule because uh, we're all busy people. Actually, mainly Danny's the only one who's busy. We're all just sitting at home trying to <laughs> do something with our lives. Now I but feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to talk rookie receivers and what to expect from this year in fantasy because you know, that's a position that typically gets a lot of hype, but doesn't really get a lot of production. And because it's nearing the end of summer blockbusters, we're going to give our top five Tom Cruise movies, uh, mainly just yes. so can speak at length about interview with a vampire cocktail cocktail. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I, I knew it was one of Cruise's most uh, you know, prevalent roles that he's well known for, but Let's jump right into rookie wide receivers. And like I yeah. said, it's the easiest group of players to get too high on and set our expectations to the stratosphere. Um, I did a little bit of, one could call it research, one could call it legwork, <laughs> one could call it uh, putting some grease to the gears. 
I looked at recent big name guys. And if you look at their rookie seasons, a lot of the recent big names have kind of come in, in around that teen area. Julio Jones was a wide receiver, 17 his rookie year. Mike Evans, wide receiver, 11. AJ Green, wide receiver, 14. Michael Thomas, wide receiver, nine. Odell was the highest I found recently, wide receiver, five back in uh, 2014. And just because I know you're curious, Randy Moss was the best wide receiver in fantasy his rookie year. So it can happen. Wow. Uh, but generally, the idea is that a lot of these rookies come into situations, we get really excited, we get really hyped, but ultimately, they don't really live up to expectations, they don't live up to what we are thinking about. Uh, and this class boasts another list of guys who people are really excited about, but, so I figured we would take a look at six rookie receivers uh, and perfectly predict what their 2019 season will look like, um, so you know exactly where to draft them. And if we fail to do so, you can blame it on Danny, so I hope you're cool shouldering that responsibility. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Let's Perfect. do this. <laughs> no fear. No fear. Hey, that's the only way to take on the fantasy world. <laughs> uh, I figure we'll start off with, since you are a Seahawks fan, I, I can only presume. Um, yeah, yeah. I um, am. We'll start off with, with the guy on your team, DK Metcalf, who, uh, who obviously a lot of people were excited about during the draft. And now that he's on the Seahawks, expectations I could see being pretty high. What yeah. are your feelings, Danny, as opposed to like what uh, you're thinking about for him going into 2019? So he's kind of a hot button like topic among, I guess, national, you know, football followers because of his, uh, you know, his inability to turn fast. It's honestly like kind of crazy just how incredibly athletic he is and yet how slow, you know, his agility drills were and all that. Like it, it, there's just not a lot of, I guess, precedent for his type of, uh, like just athletic profile, I guess there's, there's just not a lot there to go off of. I do think he was drafted on to a very good fit in the Seahawks. I think like what the Seahawks want to do offensively is kind of perfect for his skill set, which is run a ton of play action, you know, have him go deep, have him take off the, take the top off a of defense potentially. That's what they've had Lockham been doing too. Um, you know, he's got size. Russell Wilson has already kind of shown that he trusts him and he's throwing the ball up to him. That's everything we've heard from camp is that Wilson's targeting him a ton. Um, I've honestly only heard good things since, I guess, May. Just like when they started doing like OTAs and practices, there was tons and tons of hype coming out of that, like just off like off the record kind of stuff, you know, from like people who are watching practices and things like that. Everyone was super excited. There's been nothing but good stuff from camp so far. Um, there's been just like, you know, he's caught tons of touchdowns and things like that in, in Seahawks practices and stuff. So there's tons of hype. He's actually already, I think, potentially lining up with the ones uh, um, opposite locket. So the hype is building. The hype train is definitely building for Metcalf. That said, I think you have to kind of temper your expectations because the Seahawks run such a low volume offense. Um, being the number two option in the Seahawks offense is not necessarily a great fantasy place to be. Um, and it just kind of depends on how the team like distributes their targets and things like that with Doug Baldwin retired now. Like I think Lockett is going to be a very good fantasy asset going forward. And I think Metcalf um, will be, he'll be an interesting best ball guy. I'll put it that way because he had, I think he could have good spikes like here and there, but I, I he's probably going to be one of those guys that's like, uh, I guess I would categorize him like as the desperation flex option weekly. Um, because I think he does have a lot of touchdown upside. He's the way that they use him. I think is going to be similar somewhat to what 
they used uh, Jimmy Graham a couple years ago in the red zone where they're just kind of posting him up and Russell Wilson's throwing it up there for him. Um, I think, so I just off the top of my head, like David Moore and uh, Jerron Brown caught a combined like nine touchdowns last year. And I think a lot of the red zone looks will kind of go to him instead going forward. So I don't know. He's got touchdown upside. I don't think he's going to have a lot of volume. Um, I think he's generally going to be a deep threat for them. But um, I just jotted down a general predict, pred- prediction of 40 catches, 600 yards, five touchdowns. And that's pretty optimistic, I think. But I, I don't know if that makes him necessarily a fantasy player necessarily. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm wanting him to basically take everything that Doug Baldwin left behind and just fit right in. I want the 73 targets that <laughs> last year just go directly to DK Metcalf, puts up 50 plus catches, 800 plus yards, six touchdowns, uh, and ultimately ends up a, a wide receiver three level guy and kind of your you know finishing in that like that 30 range ultimately in final rankings. But I get what you're saying. Like I think we're everyone kind of going into it is mildly on the same page in the fact that DK Metcalf yeah. clearly has a will have a defined role in this offense. It's just how much does this offense actually want to pass the football as opposed to being to try to figure out if Chris Carson or Rashad Penny is the next Marshawn Lynch. Right. The one thing I will say is there is a potential for more passing volume in this offense this year based on the fact the Seahawks defense could actually be pretty bad this year. Um, You know, obviously the, the Seahawks want to slow the ball down, slow the game down, run it you know, over the the years, except for maybe I think 2016, they did not run very many plays ever. Um, This year it could be different just because I don't think they have the defense to play that style of football. So um, if they do go more, you know, high volume in the passing game, I think Metcalf could be a sleeper in that sense, but um, he's still got to be, he's still got to establish himself as the starter. Number one, I'm actually a big David Moore fan. So he's got to beat out David Moore. Um, which it obviously is not saying a ton, but like, you know, rookie receivers never are quite, I think, as good as people think they're going to be, or very rarely anyway. So, um, you know, put the cart, we're putting the cart before the horse a little bit here, but everything I've heard from Seattle's camp is really, really positive. Like everyone is crazy excited about it. So it, it's going to be really fun to kind of watch in the preseason. Right now, I don't know how uh, updated this is, uh, given to recent circumstances that happened to the New York Giants, but uh, Fantasy Football Calculator has DK Metcalf's uh, ADP, uh, 10th round, about pick six, just ahead of Golden Tate. Um, It also says he's above the guys like Deshaun Jackson, James Washington, and Dante Moncrief, who are um, looking to split those Antonio Brown uh, targets that are separated. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, he's, he's up there in the, in the middle of the pack. He's not, um, not too deep into the, into the draft. I, I would take a flyer on him. Yeah. I mean, I think, like I said, if you're playing best ball, he'd be a guy that I'd be interested in just because I think he could have games where he goes over a hundred, you know, and has a touchdown or whatever. Um, but then there's probably going to be games too, where he's having, two targets, one catch for 25 yards or whatever, you know, it's like he, I think it's going to be a little bit feast or famine potentially with him. And so that's just the name of the game with the Seahawks offense in general. I, I usually stick, I usually stay away from their receivers for the most part. Um, Lockett last year was sort of an exception. Obviously Baldwin for a long time was a good fantasy asset, but like last year Lockett, I think a lot of people probably left him on their benches, (laughs) you know, even though he was putting up great numbers that he put up. Yeah. And it's like, I wonder, I wish that there was a stat for like 
lost points. You know, people had people have a guy on the bench all year because I bet you Lockett was up there just because people don't trust the Seahawks offense very much. But um, he ended up being crazy, crazy efficient. And we'll see if that kind of, I don't know if you can really keep up with that next year. So um, overall, Metcalf, I think, is a good kind of mid to later round flyer. Um, I think he's got a lot of upside in the offense. But again, it's a, it's a low volume offense. So obviously I'll be rooting against him because I can't stand the Seahawks and diehard 49ers fan. Yeah, we all know uh, that. It's well-defined, Nick. So I, uh, Danny, I'm, I'm a Seahawks fan, but I'm also a fan <laughs> of every other team. So they made me for the Niners. We made you uh, do nothing, Nicholas. Let the record show. We <laughs> put it. To, we gave you options, and you chose the 49ers willingly. Don't try to go skewing and changing history. I remember it differently, but so I, I was thinking that that um, that Metcalf might end up getting somewhere in like 400 yards four or five touchdowns but i was checking out Lockett's rookie year and i kind of think that they're gonna just have him take that role and he actually had almost 70 targets and put up 664 yards six tds and and interesting yeah um they had multiple 600 yard receivers so baldwin went crazy that year he had 14 touchdowns but curse and jimmy graham both went over 600 yards which i found really surprising um, but I, I kind of think that he might get more, I don't think that he'll hit that target number, but I yeah. kinda think he might be able to put up the, the yardage and just cause he's only yeah. going to be getting bombs. Um, but they also, it's kind of a throwback, but they also, I don't think they've really effectively replaced Ricardo Lockett in the way that they wanted yeah. to. Yeah. And I wonder if, uh, if he's just going to stay on the field all day long because he's either going to be blowing up corners on the outside right uh, or or going deep yeah i i mean i think that's definitely like what they envisioned when they took him and again i don't want to put the cart before the horse but like i do think that's exactly like the the um the ballpark of where he's going to be actually when i was doing my projection which was super rudimentary and i put about two minutes of thought into it um (laughs) i just basically (laughs) I said he's going to get 40, 40 catches ish. And okay. let's see, what would it be at 15 yards per, per catch? Because I think, like you said, he's going to be a downfield target. I don't think they're going to mess around with him too much on like the short and intermediate stuff. Maybe like a few slants here and there, but. Um, 600 yards. Yeah. So that's where I came up with that projection because I think he's going to be like 15 ish yards per catch or whatever. And um, he could catch a couple deep touchdowns. And I mean, the CX are so play action heavy and and that's such a huge part of their game russell wilson was i think the most one of the most efficient deep ball passers last year if not the most efficient so i don't see that changing at all and i think metcalf fits that to a t um well nicholas excuse me it just play action is like the one thing that seattle does well in their passing game or does (laughs) correctly yeah it's about all the positive you can say about them, Nick. Look at you mustering up some positive. <laughs> One wide receiver who I will put the cart before the horses, even though hot and cold news coming out of camp, but it won't dampen <laughs> my spirits. Nikhil Harry, baby. Hoo-wee. Yeah. Basically through uh, rookie, the rookie receiver seemed to take a while to click in the Patriots offense. So I decided to <laughs> through the, uh, through the annals of history and see exactly how, what rookie receivers have done from a production wise and Dion branch has had the most reception for the Patriots with 43 as a rookie, Aaron Dobson 
little deep take for you. I remember him, yeah. I know. I loved me some Aaron Dobson. 519 yards and four touchdowns, which was the most for a Patriots rookie receiver. I think Harry is going to finish around the 35 to 40 receptions, maybe 600 yards and like five-ish touchdowns. The issue for me is just that the Patriots – I think you're stepping into a new offense, you know, Gronkless and and kind of where that offense is going to look. But I also think that it's very anti-Patriots to put all of your focus on a rookie receiver and receivers in general. I think you're going to yeah. see James White heavily involved. You're going to see whatever body they have at tight end heavily involved. You're going to see, you know, all of the kind of Philip Dorsett. You're going to see Donchell Inman. You're going to see when Julian Edelman comes back. They're starting to put Sony Michelle in the outside trying to use him as a wide receiver. <laughs> So, yeah, the Patriots offense is never going to target one person. So I was hesitant to give Nikhil Harry much more than 40, uh, 40 receptions. But I think that 40 reception, you know, 600 yard range puts him in wide receiver four territory. Um, and I think you should be drafting him as such, even though he's going wide receiver 38. I think realistically, he's going to fall. He's going to be in that wide receiver 45 ish range, ultimately. Yeah. I'm pretty much on the same page, slightly less optimistic, I guess. I, I jotted down 35 catches, 450 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, I do I do think he's going to have his growing pains in that offense. I mean, it's, it's number one, I think the Patriots offense, from what I've heard, is so difficult because it's a lot of side adjustments and route um, – what do you call them? Like route adjustments. When so basically, when you line up at the line of scrimmage, the rookies have to survey the defense and know what's happening while, like in in real time, and then adjust their route based on what the uh, what the defense is doing. And that's what Tom Brady expects without like hesitation. So that's not easy. So oh, and if you mess up, you're not just not Brady's fault, <laughs> right? So if you, so, essentially. Um, you know, you have to go out there and know what the defense is doing. And sometimes it's kind of nuanced. And obviously a lot of younger guys aren't going to just be like, oh, the defense is doing this. So, I, you know, I'm going to have to run. I'm going to have to shorten my route by five yards or I'm going to have to change my route to whatever. Um, it's really difficult. I mean, like we saw, we've seen veterans that haven't been able to kind of figure it out. So I think that's the reason it's so hard. He's having, and there's been reports he's been struggling um, in training camp. So that's a little bit concerning you know, just the overall history of rookie receivers in, in New England is conserving the overall concerning the overall history of rookie receivers in the last like five years is concerning. So I'm tempering my expectations. I do like Harry though. Um, and there's a ton of targets to be made up in that offense, but I just think it's not probably going to be a major, major season for him. Um, that's just kind of my instinct on that. So I, I'm not super, super high on him. If you're in dynasty though, like I love it. But yeah, just this season, it might not work out, work, work out that well for you guys. Yeah, I think we all can agree that like the Patriots are a pretty poorly run franchise. They have been for <laughs> a couple of years now. I uh, wish, it, I wish as a fan that they would really just kind of set their game up. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, they haven't won in so long now. Um, but to your point, Danny, they are not that great at drafting wide receivers. They kind of have a it's a weird a, blind spot, right? Yeah, it is a super weird blind spot, and my feelings might be a little bit hurt from Chris Hogan last year. I may have drafted him oh my in my fantasy league thinking he was going to get some some big points thanks to Tom Brady. I was but. in that boat, too, yeah. So, Did you know who I, played lacrosse? Yeah. 
this Maurice Harris guy apparently is is now going to be able to take all of the Nikhil Harry hype that I've <laughs> built up in my head. Oh yeah, classic Patriots offense. Oh man, flying f about your uh, fantasy league. Yeah, they're probably just going to line up their their fullback out on the wing and like. James Devlin's going to get you 15 touchdowns. Yeah, so who know, who the hell knows with them? Uh, Pete, I, I'm not optimistic that he's going to make the team. Um, <laughs> This is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Just pile on. Um, no, but I thought this was interesting. Uh, Mike Giardi was tweeting today that apparently he's getting uh, soundly outplayed by an undrafted free agent named Jacoby Myers. I have not heard of this guy, but um, yeah, I, I do think he actually is somewhat, not necessarily playing for his job, but playing for his role pretty hard right now mm-hmm. against some surprise competition. Yeah, it's not a not a great look for the old Nikhil Harry hype train that I've been writing <laughs> since US drafted. But you know, we uh, put our best foot forward every day, and we hope we don't trip over it. <laughs> so the next yeah. kind of next kind of receiver I was thinking we would talk about is uh, a guy who I have interesting expectations for because I think he's going to be used more as a pass catcher, and that's you're going to get a lot of points from him in PPR rather than maybe from a standard production. And that's Paris Campbell, who isn't a great fit in Indianapolis, but I just, there's a lot for him to compete with in there in that offense now. And so I'm curious to see, Nick, we'll start with you. Like, what is your feeling on him in terms of what his role is going to be? And will that role be enough to get kind of substantial, you know, serviceable enough fantasy production to keep him around on your roster? So um, this uh, Paris Campbell, I have kind of had to go on an apology tour. Um, I, I quickly wrote him off as just sort of being a two-dimensional route runner um, during the draft process, but I've come to understand that he's, he's much more than that. That being said, I do think that he's going to be running a ton out of the slot, and I, I liken him to uh, Kiki QT or however you choose to say his name. Um, <laughs> what we were talking about uh, last week with how I think Kiki is going to be used in the same way, he's basically going to absorb the pass catching or what the targets that would go to pass catching running backs right around the line of scrimmage. And I think that that's kind of going to be Paris Campbell's role. Um, I, I think basically he's going to end up eating a ton into like Naheem Hines' workload. Uh, and, and similar to what you were saying, Pete, I think he's going to be a, a good like PPR flex. I don't know if he'll put up a ton uh, uh, yardage-wise or, or, or touchdown-wise, but I, I do think that he'll be a, a, a chain mover for him. Yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking like 50-some-odd receptions for like 500 yards and three touchdowns. That's <laughs> kind of my, my thought process. That's right where well, I was, too. Nice! I got 55 catches, 495 yards, three touchdowns, plus 20 rushes for 150, 150 yards and two touchdowns. That, you guys, for all you listeners at home, that is above and beyond looking at rushing stats for a wide receiver. <laughs> I think they're going to use him as like a sweep guy kind of thing. You know what I mean? But I, I, who that's knows? But... Oh, I, I really think that's exactly how they're going to use him. It's going to be awesome to watch. I like that you shift him the five yards, Danny, to, get him, to keep him from 500. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think like, I did uh, the same thing, though. I was like, He's probably going to average about nine yards per catch. And I think I was like, ah, 55 sounds about right. See, this is my process. And I should have done a full NFL projections this year, but I think I'm going to try and do that next year. I was actually on paternity leave for most of the summer. So I, I was like way behind on 
Thank you. Thank you. Um, so that's, I was really that's a behind fair on... excuse to not write a full <laughs> breakdown of how every NFL player is going to play in 2019. Oh, yeah. I had a child. <laughs> <laughs> I think I want to try and do it next year, though. So anyways, this is a good this is a good little exercise. Oh, adding to the uh, the Paris Campbell, I think I might be the only uh, dissenting argument here. I think he might be a really great dynasty stash. Um, right now, he it's kind of goofy. He has the same exact ADP as Devin Funchess, um, the very first pick of the 12th round. Uh, Andrew Luck has T.Y. Hilton, now Devin Funchess, Eric Ebron, and Jack Doyle, if he can put together a healthy season. I think that puts Paris Campbell like in the pecking order and that worries me a little bit so especially since he's a rookie i think paris campbell is going to be exactly that guy where you see four or five highlight reels throughout the throughout the nfl season you're like wow man paris campbell can really play he is fast he can you know run this end around sweep really well and looking to make (laughs) 30 guys miss and take it to the house for a you know 30 yard touchdown that's great and then you go look at his fantasy stats for the season and you're like wow he put up you know, 60 total points. <laughs> so I think, I think that's exactly what it's going to be where he's a highlight guy. Who's going to give you some pretty good plays, but then for the most part, he's just going to kind of be there. I wonder, I wonder if how, what we would be saying when we went back in John Ross and we were talking about John Ross before his rookie season. I, I wonder how, <laughs> hopefully it's not that kind of situation. I was, I was so hyped for John Ross because I also was like in one of my pre-draft notes, I was like, Oh, John Ross to the Cincinnati Bengals. That would be a great pick. And then they did it. And I was like, Oh, this is going to pan out amazingly for me. And then oh, it did. So, uh, uh, yeah, I hope that Paris Campbell doesn't kind of run the route of John Ross pun intended. His Paris Campbell is like, I guess Percy Harvin is kind of a interesting comp. Percy was a little bit thicker and like more strong as a running back, but I'm just trying to remember what Harvin did as a rookie because I guess that would be like his ultimate upside, you know, as a rookie. You'll see here. Yeah, I think most of Harvin's stuff, though. catches. What yeah. was it? Uh, Harvin as a rookie had 60 catches, 790 yards, and six touchdowns, plus 15 rushes, 135 yards. So right. I think that's a little, that's probably a little too high. That's too generous. But I think that's probably like how they see him, kind of like a dynamic speed threat who's going to, scare defenses kind of thing yeah i feel like that was the general book on him coming in does uh does paris does he return uh punts and kicks because harvin he had over a thousand yards returning kicks his rookie year damn dude he was yeah he was amazing i was so sad when he didn't really work out for the seahawks (laughs) it was it was great for the the one play opening uh (laughs) at a halftime but but yeah man harvin i mean harvin is a pretty unique pretty unique player um let's see here uh campbell had a bunch of kick returns no punt returns in college all right so 21 21 returns yeah average 27 yards as a sophomore and then 36 yards on not percy and uh paris both coached by urban oh that's i think so yeah because i think urban was there in florida at the time yeah I'm not I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think that sounds right. Not that it has anything to do with their current NFL situation. But, but just something to take care of. was on the team with Tebow and <laughs> Riley Cooper, I think. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> and that just definitely led to, yeah. uh, to Harvin's success in the NFL, was being on the same team as Tim Tebow. <laughs> 
Uh, before we yeah. go any further, we have to take a quick ad break, but don't go anywhere. Because when we come back, Jordan will tell us his summer jam of 2019. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we have returned. Jordan, Summer Jam of 2019. What do I need to be including in every single summer playlist for the month of August? Um. You know what, Chance the Rapper, his new album, it's pretty great. All like 22 songs. Is it? Because I've heard, fire, I've heard fire mixed it reviews about it. Your mixed reviews are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Good to know. Um, all right, the next receiver we're going to talk about, we're, these next three guys are, are kind of swing for the fences guys in my book. They could be big time threats or they could mildly be a waste to pick, but they're <laughs> late enough in the, in the general draft vicinity that if you don't, if you waste your whatever... 12th round pick on them it's like eh, eh, who really cares anyways the hardest for me to predict is marquise brown because i feel like he just purely because of demand he could have a tyler lockett-esque you know season in the sense that he's fast he can get downfield he stretches it lamar jackson's just going to be ripping balls all over the place and who else do the ravens <laughs> have to catch balls so naturally yeah. they go but i could also see him being like a 30 catch 500 yard guy who has like three breakaway touchdowns so i'm i'm trying to i I don't really want to play in the middle because that's no fun we can't take any hot takes if we're just sitting in the middle so (laughs) i'm trying to figure out which end of the spectrum i want to go to i'm personally bullish on him i think he like he he was my number one receiver coming out i think if he's healthy uh that's obviously a huge huge factor And, and i think he passed his physical recently so that's a great thing but like I think he has potential to be a pretty interesting weapon for them as a rookie. I, I had I have it jotted down: sixty catches, seven hundred and twenty yards, and four touchdowns. I think he's going to be their de facto number one. Obviously, they're going to be like a low volume passing offense, so it's all the Seahawks kind of caveats too. But like times five, because um, they're going to like they're going to run a ton, and they have a, I think they have a higher target market um, for their tight ends than any other team in the NFL. So lots of tight end targets. So that just that immediately sort of caps his upside, I think, as a fantasy player. But I do think he's going to be a big weapon for them. Um, I just imagine him. They, he, he was very good, like around the line of scrimmage, slot in the slot screens, mm-hmm. sweeps, end arounds, things like that. But he's also an elite deep threat, take the top off the defense kind of guy. Um, it's going to be really interesting because if there's a defense. <laughs> are any defenses going to face like go with less than eight man front against the Ravens? He's going to be facing most likely one-on-one coverage. And as long as he can outrun all the, guy, the time, what do you know? Yeah, yeah. All the time. So that's the thing that kind of intrigues me. Obviously Jackson's got to find him, but um, 
I just think he's, I, I really think he's a good player. I think he's, you know, a special deep threat. And so, you know, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if he got like six or seven touchdowns, just like on, on deep balls, like look at Lockett last year. I, right. I don't think he's the same player as Lockett, but um, Lockett had 10 touchdowns, which was way more than I was expecting. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if Brown ends up being kind of like Deshaun Jackson early in his career type player, where he's just an elite deep threat. Now, again, you have to find him, and, and Lamar Jackson has to prove he can kind of take shots down the field and throw with accuracy and all that, which is still, I think, a work in progress. But um, I really like Brown, so I'm pretty bullish on him. You sold me, man. Um, I, I was thinking – I mean, the, the Liz Frank is – it's so the Liz Frank injury is so hard to come back from. Um, yeah. But the, the whole effectively being the number one receiver thing, that's super interesting. Apparently – a little while ago, he's still not like, like you said, he, he, he uh, passed his physical, but he's still in rehab. Mm. Um, he, he just got clocked at 21 miles an hour and he's <laughs> not going as fast as he can. Yeah. I'm telling you, he's a special, special athlete. Um, you know, and it's not for nothing, but he's Antonio Brown's cousin and I know they've trained together. And if you've ever seen any of Antonio Brown's training regimens, it's like literally insane, the stuff that they do. <laughs> Um, it was like the one where God, what is it? He's like bouncing up on one of those medicine balls while getting you know, <laughs> tiny little tennis balls thrown at him that he's trying to catch it. Then bounce yeah. and just all you have to do is add someone with like a giant noodle, just whip him across the chest <laughs> and be like, "All right, let's do this." Yeah. So my uh, my colleague Robert Mays did a feature on Marquise Brown. If you get a chance, read it. It's really interesting. It's like he kind of broke down how Brown trains in the offseason and how he's he's done some stuff with Antonio Brown. And it's like I read that and I talked to Mays and I was like. I'm all in on this. I, I am sold. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I was going to say, I think you're right. I mean, I had 60 receptions for 750 plus yards. I only had two touchdowns. But even that stat line, if you look at last year's, if you were to take that into last year's wide receiver rankings, that finishes him as a wide receiver 28. And you can get him at wide receiver 57 right now. So yeah. I think there's reason to be bullish on him. And I also think that there's reason to like, if he's sitting there in the double digit rounds, he's a hundred percent. Someone guy, <laughs> I would take a flyer on because why not? Yeah. So you, you alluded to uh, taking flyers on some of these rookie guys. And I, and this is maybe getting a little bit ahead of us, but I'm in the Scott fishbowl and in my late rounds, I took Paris Campbell, McCall Hardman and Marquise Brown. <laughs> I have all three of them. <laughs> I'm like one of these guys is gonna work out. Someone's right? gonna hit, and I'm gonna look like a genius. <laughs> so, anyways, I actually think um, Hollywood Brown has the highest upside of all these rookies that we're talking about, just for the fact that he can just sprint down the field and beat everybody else to the end zone. Uh, mm -hmm. I think what most people might be worried about, uh, myself included, being a Lamar Jackson uh, dynasty owner, is whether or not Jackson can actually hit him on those yeah. deep throws, but. Um, I think with a larger sample size, we'll actually people will see that Lamar Jackson can throw the deep ball. Um, last year, he was the most accurate passer um, from air yardage, 21 to 25 yards. He had like 80% completion percentage. It's a very mm. small wow. sample size. He wasn't um, he wasn't chucking it 40 times. Um, he was also one of the most accurate passers under pressure. Uh, he finished seventh in accuracy. Um, throwing to the middle of the field. Uh, let's see here. He was 22nd in accuracy and clean pockets. Um, so that comes to a little bit of worry about those stack boxes and whether or not people are just going to go after him. 
um, yeah, and, yeah. and just kind of crowd his space. But I think what the Ravens were trying to do with their draft is uh, not just with Hollywood Brown, but with uh, Miles Boykin, Justice Hill, uh, just get these track stars and really get defenses to hesitate. Like, do I have to go and try to keep up with this guy who's running right by me or do I make the commitment to Lamar Jackson? So hopefully that's something that helps him uh, keep clean a little bit. Yeah. I think like the Boykin uh, Brown and Boykin being, what was it? I guess two of their first three or three or four or whatever. That's not a coincidence. I mean, I, and again, I think it goes back to, you know, they're going to try and stretch defenses out. If you're going to run an eight, if you're going to run a seven man box against them, they're just going to freaking run it on you. And if you're going to run an eight-man plus nine-man box, crowd the line of scrimmage, then they're going to want to try and throw it deep. And I think Boykin is another guy who's, like, super underrated right now. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I think long-term, like, dynasty style, I like both of those guys. And the Ravens' offense is awesome just because it's going to be so different than everyone else's. I am just too excited to see Mark Ingram finally in a run offense. It's going to be beautiful to witness. Um, you mentioned him, Danny, but we're going to get to him now. McCole Hardman, people draft him. I feel like people before, you know, before this period who have drafted were drafting him mistakenly thinking that the NFL would do the right thing and suspend Tyreek Hill. Yeah, but yeah. Obviously, that did not happen because the NFL is a garbage organization who can't tell their butt from their front. But, Jordan, what, do you, what can you honestly think that you're going to get out of Hartman this season? Because I feel like the role that he was going to fill was basically Tyreek Hill, but Tyreek Hill is going to be there. So what is his actual worth this year? I don't know. I feel like with the Chiefs, unless you are like the guy, uh, it's kind of hard to really put in any sort of fantasy production. I mean, we even saw that a little bit last year when Sammy Watkins had to be um, – take some of the main targets. I just think they really love going to um, Travis Kelsey when Tyreek Hill isn't open or um, using their running backs in the passing game. And I don't know, unless you can carve out and steal away Sammy Watkins, who for whatever reason gets paid more than Devontae Adams, he can steal that role. <laughs> yeah, um, Watkins contract is insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't know what his fantasy upside could be, but it is buoyed pretty heavily by Patrick Mahomes being able to throw the ball anywhere. I I'm pretty much on the same page. I think like I jotted down, he's going to have like one or two catches a game and will be primarily a deep threat. It, I think it is going to be really interesting because as a defense, how do you, ma- I mean, obviously even without Hartman, how do you match up against this Col- uh, this chief's offense? Um, When they have Kelsey Watkins and Hill, um, there's just so much speed. And I think adding Hardman into like, he's not, they're not going to, no one's going to bracket Hardman and he's going to be, you know, the type of guy that he's going to be like third or fourth in line in terms of what people game plan for. So that could pay dividends for him, but I don't think he's going to have a ton of volume. Probably. Uh, I think I had like 30 catches, 480 yards, three touchdowns sort of written down. Okay. It could be higher on the touchdown category just based on, like you said, Mahomes being a freak and being able to throw the ball 85 yards on a, on a rope or whatever. But um, I'm not super high on him in year one. I think eventually I think he's going to be a really good weapon. But um, like I have him in Dynasty League, I'm really excited about that. But not so sure about year one. 
Yeah. And Marquise Brown and McCole Hardman, according to fantasy football calculator are going back to back. And so if that's mm. if you're picking between those two guys, I think there's a clear right decision uh, between the two of them, just in terms of more certainty as to what the role you're going to get with Brown in the Ravens offense rather than Hardman in the Colts off uh, chiefs offense. Yeah. I mean, I think people, obviously the chiefs offense is so much better in the passing game, but I think Brown is, I think Brown will be the number one guy there and Hardman is well, well down the pecking order. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they've got a pretty narrow, um, uh, uh, reception tree. It's, it's like Hill Kelsey and then some to Watkins and then whoever's playing running back. And then outside of that, <laughs> no one's really stacking up, uh, yeah. much yardage. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I think we got him. All right. So the last guy we're going to talk about is, uh, Hakeem Butler, who, currently on fantasy football calculator has no rank. Um, so you can get him for free uh, and yeah. deep cut. You guys, he is, and I'm calling it right now. 100% correct. Uh, Martavis Bryant's rookie year. It's going to be 25 catches, 550 yards and eight touchdowns. Book it. That's, <laughs> that's what Akeem's Butler role in the Cardinals offense is going to be. It's oh man. going to be I like, like that. I'm a six foot five monster who can get down the field and uh, Kyler Murray's going to throw me a couple jump balls. I'll come down with it. I'm scoring, you know, close to close to double digit touchdowns. And that's literally about all I bring to the table but I'm here <laughs> for it. And, and I'm completely free. So, you know, what else are you going to do? I mean, I would be really happy if that did happen because I was really high on Butler before the draft. And then when he fell, I was like, ah, damn it. You know, cause it, <laughs> you know, like we knew before the draft that, the NFL was much lower on him, or at least there was all signs pointed to that. There was right. a very, like very, very strong indication that the NFL wasn't as high on him. And I mean, really we've heard that he's been dropping passes and stuff like that in training camp. So it's, it's definitely still a concern that, that, that issue in particular. Um, but at the same time, yeah, like he, he's big, he's extremely fast. He, you know, there was a one pre or there was one highlight where he caught like a ball one hand, with one hand kind of like turning in the air. And so that was awesome. So, you know, kind of, I just don't know where to land. My inclination is he probably won't get a ton of time as a rookie. I think there's, I think, you know, with the Cardinals, obviously they're going to be running like a lot of five wide stuff. So there's a chance he could get involved, but they've got like Larry Fitzgerald, Andy Isabella, Christian Kirk. And then I, I guess Keyshawn Johnson has kind of made some noise in, in preseason or in uh, training camp and stuff like that. So I don't know. It'll be really interesting. Look the fact that David Johnson is now going to return to the fact that he is a beautiful hybrid running back wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be like a de facto receiver in yeah, a lot David of plays Johnson too. doesn't get upwards of 70 <laughs> targets in this offense. I'm going to be furious. Yeah. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting, but I don't have him as like a starable player as a rookie. We'll see how it goes, but um, I guess I kind of like maybe I went the other way like a little too hard because I had him at like high. <laughs> you were all high on him, and then he got shut down. You're like, okay, that's shit. It. I can't, yeah. I can't do anything about him now. Yeah, I really liked him before the draft too. Um, I think there's some potential for him to get more targets than he normally would if Cliff Kingsbury really does want to run more plays per game than has ever been run before, um, but. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be enough room um, unless he just starts making leaps and bounds in the preseason. Yeah, I would fall yeah. in love with him if Hard Knocks was in Arizona this year. Oh. But they're not. So, I mean, I, I can't say no to Hard Knocks in Oakland, but Hard Knocks in Arizona would be pretty beautiful to watch the Cliff Kingsbury revolution come in with Kyler Murray. Yeah, it'd Man. be amazing. 
man, missed opportunity. Seriously. I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think he might be able to snag a couple like red zone touchdowns or red zone looks at the very least. But, um, yeah, I, he's apparently running behind Amy Isabella. Um, people so are crazy high on. He's a good player. Um, but <laughs> cool. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> no problem. I got you. Sorry. <laughs> Can't get you hot there. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't think that there's just going to be, uh, I don't think there's going to be enough work for him to really put up meaningful fantasy numbers. Yeah. So there you go. There's the exact 100% correct prediction. You now don't even need to bother watching the 2019 NFL season because that is the, these are the stat lines. These rookie <laughs> wide receivers will put forward. Basically the common trend is that a lot of these guys I think are going to get less production than maybe we're expecting. And you should take that into consideration while you're drafting really the <laughs> only guy who I think we were all pretty high on in terms of a production standpoint was Marquise Brown. And that was just because of the fact that he has endless possibilities in an offense that has no one else to pass the football to. Um, so yeah. 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 Perfect. I can't wait well, to have three of these guys on my bench just waiting for them <laughs> to break out. I literally do have that. <laughs> exactly. Dan, Danny's already a step ahead of you. He's already got that locked down. He is all ready to watch, uh, to watch them score multiple touchdowns every time he puts them on his bench. He's like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Of course. All right. Well, let's get to the most important thing of the podcast. Um, and that is ranking Tom Cruise. Well, not ranking our top five Tom Cruise movies. And we each have our own list. This has been like almost a month in the making because Jordan suggested oh, this a long time. When the, when the, I think the catalyst for this was the Top Gun Maverick trailer coming out. You're and then right you, it was. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then you immediately hit up Slack and you were like, oh, you guys, top five Tom Cruise movies. And then you weren't on that episode. And then the next week we were talking about other things. Anyways, long story short, we are here. We are ready to do this. Uh, top five Tom Cruise movies. We're going to start with number five. And we'll just go around the horn. Everyone will say their number five pick. And if we feel that we need to talk about a certain movie because we think that this spot for it is preposterous, we can do so. But I think for the most part, we'll all be very nice to each other and very <laughs> about each other's list. I dare Nick to say one negative thing about Danny's list. Uh, but oh, other than I, that, mine, mine are kind of hot. So you guys are probably going uh, to hate this. That's I'm going to tear them apart. All right, perfect, perfect. There we go. This is good podcast material. Number five, Jordan, start us off since this is your segment. Uh, number five, hang on. I'm actually just trying to... <laughs> oh, my God. He's so ill-prepared. <laughs> um, oh, number five, Interview with the Vampire. Classic. Had to be on that list. Nicholas. Okay, so I was going to go with Minority Report, but it was edged out by Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, so good. Good one. So good. Thank Danny, you. what do you have? Edge of Tomorrow. All right, I have oh, night yeah. and day uh, as my five. Uh, oh, I don't think I ever actually mentioned. saw that. Oh, night that and day bothered. is a classic. It's an excellent. <laughs> it's just for me the reason why it makes my list is because it's a great example of Tom Cruise knowing exactly who he is and making fun of that exact person. <laughs> I enjoy movies like that. Nice, Jordan. Defend Interview with a Vampire as a top five Tom <laughs> Cruise movie. <laughs> Because I think everybody just knows Lestat. Like, he's a, a seminal vampire character in pop culture. And it is kind of more of a Brad Pitt movie, but I, I enjoy Tom Cruise in it. Wait, are, are, you guys, are you guys saying that Interview with a Vampire doesn't deserve to be on this list? Because, spoiler yeah, alert. It's <laughs> on this list. <laughs> oh, it's coming in Danny's list. Oh, man. 
Oh, wow. Uh, well, no, I'm not saying it doesn't deserve. I'm just, <laughs> does it deserve? Yeah, I think you oh, should man. have to defend night and day. What do you mean do I have to defend Night and Day? Cameron Diaz, Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom Cruise is a secret, secret agent who basically can kill anyone who he wants to, but doesn't because he's trying to be secretive the whole time while also flirting with Cameron Diaz. Takes her to a remote island, and then she's the one who triggers everyone to come to that island that he's kept secret for the last 20 years. I mean, this is just good quality fun. <laughs> Dude, you got you to gotta throw a spoiler alert ahead of that. <laughs> yeah. You could expect it. As soon as she gets brought on the island, spoiler alert, okay. she uh, keeps her phone going. Number four, Jordan, your number four Tom Cruise movie. Oh, easy. Mission Impossible 7. I feel like I should have it higher, but yeah. <laughs> yeah but that's where it is. Nicholas. Uh, interview with the... Okay, actually, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. It's like, shit, I got to quickly change my list. No, no, no. I, just, I had no idea that the full name is Interview with the Vampire colon the vampire chronicles i didn't know the back half of that was there <laughs> yeah That's well, I didn't know there was, they were planning for a series that failed <laughs> didn't it isn't uh edge of tomorrow has like a weird subtitle name too doesn't it well it used to be called something different when it was released yes. it was like live die repeat was oh yeah it, that's yeah. right yeah. Well, now, like that's the- a terrible name so then they decided to change it to edge of tomorrow yeah, yeah so yeah, that's yeah. like the subtitle but for the 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 uh for the sequel, they added another and repeat. <laughs> There's another Edge of Tomorrow? There's not another Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to make a new one, I think. Are they really? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm super on board with that. Edge of Tomorrow is my number four Tom Cruise. It's movie. called Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat. And Repeat. <laughs> That's a wow. terrible name. Wow. wow. That's really bad. Uh, yeah. Edge of Tomorrow is my number four. Danny, what's your number four? Collateral. Ooh. Ooh. Defend. Ooh. So... Obviously, there, he's got a ton of hits. He has um, a ton of movies, man. That was so the first like, thing I saw when I was looking at this list. Super hard to pick, but I will say it. I don't remember him being quite like he, he like you thought about that character a lot after you're finished with the movie. Mm. Like he was so like evil and so competent and like really good at just being bad. Like I just really, really remember like that movie like hit me hard. And so uh, I think it's a little bit underrated, but I love collateral. I think his role in that was kind of different than anything else he'd done. That's fair. Showing like flexing his acting muscles. Yeah. I, that was one of like uh, Jamie Foxx's early films, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was, that was, he was like a serious, serious actor for a while. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess he maybe still is, but I don't know. Interview with the vampire collateral. Danny Kelly likes bad Tom Cruise. Not bad. <laughs> Evil Tom Cruise. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought Jordan was ready to just start firing some hot takes <laughs> yeah. and make sure that Danny never wanted to come back on the podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. Evil, Evil Tom Cruise. Uh, top three. Jordan, what's number three for you? Oh, it's cocktail. Cocktail. <laughs> We're going to come back to that. Don't worry. Nick, number three. <laughs> I have never even heard of cocktail. Uh, uh, number three is uh, Mission Impossible 2. Okay. That is ar- not even arguably. That is definitely the worst Mission Impossible. <laughs> Just so you know, Nick, that is unequivocally the worst Mission Impossible ever made. And I, I just I just really liked it when he was fighting and he had a cut on his face and I was confused because they were talking about how the like the the poison was named Chimera and my friend told me that he cuz the Chimera is like a, a multi-animal animal and he was like, "Yeah, he fights this thing that's like a lion with a snake tail." And I was like, "Yeah, I want to go do this." I got a hot take. Yeah. My my Tom Cruise hottest take is that all the Mission Impossible movies suck ass 
<laughs> that is a flaming hot take. I literally hate them. I think they're terrible. <laughs> wow. Oh, that man. By far have the most original top five Tom Cruise movies of anyone. Because <laughs> I don't think that that is a common conception. I watched the latest one. I don't even know what one it was. And I was like, this is incredibly bad. This oh is God. so bad. How do you still work for The Ringer? I feel I like part I, of working there has to be a love for Mission Impossible. At least I know. Protocol. <laughs> I know. I have weird. I have weird movie. Like, I don't like the Rocky movies either, which is apparently just wow. sacrilegious. But yeah. That is. That is do not. Do not let Sean Fennessy know that you disparage Mission Impossible 7. <laughs> yeah. That's all okay. I say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, my number three is Top Gun. And I think, and Danny, what was your three? Uh, my three is Interview with a Vampire. <laughs> it's a great movie. I love how much love that movie is getting. It. It's great. It's so good. Uh, all right. Like, it it reminds me so much of my middle school years for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Were you Such a good just movie. a very PC boy with with high <laughs> collars and frills? That was my version of like the scary movie when I was little, I guess. Oh, or something. That's excellent. See, I, yeah. You didn't go to school with a blouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I dressed like Lestat for a while there. It was like a phase, you know. That's a good. That's a good phase to, to live through. Jordan, we're coming back to you because we need cocktail defended. Okay. Go. Oh, you want me to defend it right, no, right now? No, defend it. <laughs> Um, we are coming to you later. And go. <laughs> I, I don't know. It is, first of all, a bizarre movie. Um, it's not, it's objectively bad. It's not like <laughs> the greatest movie. Yeah. I like watching it though because it's just like, here's Tom Cruise. He becomes like this really good bartender for whatever reason. And then next thing you know, he's in like Mexico or like something. It just the Caribbean shifts. Yeah. He, he just shifts to on permanent vacation for a while. And <laughs> it's a perplexing movie, but it's kind of a fun Netflix watch. It's on Netflix. Yeah. That's where, oh. well, that's where I watched it. Well, there you go. Movie night. Uh, number two, Jordan, your second number two, Tom Cruise movie. A few good men. Mm, mm. I feel like that's uh that's probably high in most people's list. Nicholas collateral oh wow nick is really just just kind of uh showing off right now he's like oh danny you have all these movies on your list but they're higher on mine <laughs> i don't think anyone's gonna be higher on my, me higher than me on my number two movie. okay what is it <laughs> it's probably really bad uh the last samurai <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious I thought about it. That is so funny. It's so good. Oh. I, I literally, legitimately, it's terrible, but it's also an amazing movie. <laughs> the the fight scenes are incredible. Are. The fight scenes are very well done. Yeah. But there's okay. I'll, this is my defense. Last Samurai. This is a terrible movie, but my defense of it is the fight scene when the ninjas attack the samurai village is legitimately one of the most intense fight scenes of any movie ever. I was on the edge of my seat. I remember like gasping at the end of it <laughs> like like in the theater like being like <laughs> so that right. that's my defense of the last samurai the rest of it's uh kind of bad pretty good, it's pretty good defense uh i feel like we're t i'm taking the podcast in a real in a real dramatic move by saying my number two is uh rain man which is just an extraordinary <laughs> film i feel like it has to be on the list of a top five tom cruise movie I think a lot of the Tom Cruise movie, a lot of Tom Cruise movies are so bad they're good. Yeah, that, that's a pretty common theme, which is why Night and Day is so good because it takes <laughs> all of the stereotypes of a Tom Cruise character and he makes fun of it the whole time. Yeah, 
Mine's very enjoyable. Like All right. Number one Tom Cruise movie. Jordan, what is your favorite Tom Cruise movie of all time? Oh, that's easy. Top Gun. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas. Jeans. Uh, Tropic Thunder. Oh, it's a great movie. Les Grossman is incredible. Do we call that? All right, we're going to come back to this, Nick, because do we consider that a Tom Cruise movie? If you were going to go after one of my movies, you should have gone after like four or five, but don't ruin my top one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nick, you got to know I go for collateral damage. <laughs> uh, Danny, number one Tom Cruise movie. Uh, not hot take, Top Gun. Yeah. I Classic. Me- for me, the number one is Mission Impossible, the first one. And that's mostly just because it has a very special place in my heart. It was one of the first action movies that I saw as a kid. The soundtrack is incredible. And the scene where he gets lowered down and can't touch the floor, but he's sweating. Oh, yeah. it's like, it's like, that's iconic. Movie. It's iconic. Yeah, it's very iconic. But you also can't argue Top Gun. I mean, anytime you can see men in small jean shorts high-fiving on a beach, <laughs> you can't say no to that. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. I also had uh, Tropic Thunder on my honorable mention list. That's where I had it too. That movie is where I turned back into a Tom Cruise fan. Mm, Interesting. Because I was like, after a while, I was like, this guy's kind of a weirdo. And and I still feel that way. Yeah. But he also like, it was like such a parody that I was like, oh my God, he's weird, but he's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And so now I'm back in. Tom Cruise turned, I mean, Tropic Thunder turned me back onto Tom Cruise. Rock of Ages turned me off Tom Cruise. <laughs> I was going to say, I actually kind of like that. I, I had <laughs> such a hard time with that movie because I wanted to love it because I love every <laughs> single song in that movie. But on the other hand, I was yeah. like, I kind of also hate everyone in this movie. <laughs> I kind of liked that movie. Won't lie. I think, I think Tropic Thunder 2 was like 08 i think that was like at a turning point in his career like all the oprah yeah. stuff happened mm-hmm. and he really needed a he fresh needed a bounce back he yeah. needed something i yeah. think yeah like, that's how i'm remembering it too like i, I think there was a while there were like he's a freaking like what is his deal and then yeah he's, he's back kind of insane and now he's playing <laughs> a crazy angry jewish man who's overweight but it worked he's I gotta be he's, he's one of the most fascinating people to be honest, like he's like his life is just fascinating as hell. He's also like five five, and like just a tiny person who does all of his own stunts. Like literally yeah. hung off of an airplane jet as it took off, which so just, amazing. Yeah, preposterous. I, mean, I, I think at that size though, you can just sort of bounce off the ground. That's not how <laughs> physics works. Recover. <laughs> that all checks out. You fall yeah. from an airplane taking off, you will die, even if you're five five. <laughs> Studies have uh, shown. I just want to say I'm glad this is a football podcast and none of us in 20 tries put Jerry Maguire on our list. <laughs> yeah, I thought about it. <laughs> just shows the allegiance that we have to the sport. Born on the 4th of July was a good movie too, but he was that's just like a really depressing movie. Yeah, yeah, that's I, I used my depressing nod for Rain Man. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I couldn't put multiple ones on that. Also, and I haven't watched this probably since the 90s, but... I really loved Far and Away when I was, I think, in high school or something. So that's another like deep cut, a special what? special one to your heart. It's probably terrible, actually. Like we, sh- I should rewatch it at some point. But <laughs> well, rewatch it and let us know how it, uh, if it holds up. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. There you go. Uh, well, awesome, Danny. Thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Hope you enjoyed yeah, thanks, yourself. Danny. 
we don't tell anyone about the Mission Impossible take. No, no. I can <laughs> promise you that the tens of listeners we have will probably <laughs> keep it to themselves that you uh, don't like <laughs> Mission Impossible movies. All right, fair enough. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, we will be back at you guys next week. Uh, make sure to subscribe on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts uh, on the Under the Fake Teams podcast channel. You can follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. Jordan, Jordan underscore Smith 27. And Danny, you can find him on Twitter at Danny D. Kelly. Uh, we'll be back at you guys next week. Until then, peace.